0: Welcome to Bible Fellowship Assembly, Sunday Morning Messages. Today, Phil Donaldson continues our Advent series, Jesus, Our Exemplar. Today, looking at Jesus, our exemplar of being holy, especially when being tested. And now, here's Phil. Good morning, everyone. You may want to keep your Bible open to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter four, and that's uh, maybe a, that will be a starting point. A little bit uh, further on in our survey of the topics that are before us this morning, we're continuing the Advent series. Uh, this morning we started with it in the opening, and we have been continuing with those in our messages that have been selected for this uh, period to be complementary to those themes. But there are some other themes as well that are being woven into our talks in these series of about six, five, six, five talks, actually. And there are these, how, how Jesus came as the demonstrator of who God is. The second one is how he led his disciples to know him and serve him through their relationship with him. And thirdly, to highlight the Christmas themes of holiness, peace, joy, love, and hope. Our brother Dave J started this series off uh, with speaking about and demonstrating to us who the 12 disciples were as an introduction to the discipleship part of our learnings together and we're going to continue with that as well this morning. Kerry talked about how Jesus was and is our peace and how he brought and brings peace to those who will turn to him and follow him. The title of this uh, Consideration and study together is Jesus, our exemplar of being holy when tested. Just like to read a verse uh, to start this section off from Luke chapter one and verse thirty five. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. So the holy one to be born will be called the son of God. The Lord guided me in this section to three different testing times for, for the Lord. They are very different situations. Each of them was very difficult uh, for him to deal with them, even as God's son. The stories are well known, so we will not take a detailed look at them. And you may want to keep your Bibles open and follow the scripture references that I am providing as we go. We will focus on how Jesus was the example of his followers during these times of his testing, his troubles, his sorrows, his tribulations. I'm purposely using the term exemplar. The the word example and exemplar are not synonymous, at least in my purposes this morning. An exemplar is one or something that is the perfect model for something that is being represented. And the exemplar is kind of a step above an example Uh, to being the example. And that is what we're focusing on in our Lord this morning. We will also dig a little deeper into the stories as we typically read them in the past to see how Jesus was trying to equip his onlookers, his disciples, and how were they to see and understand how they would uh, be being trained uh, when they faced those kinds of difficulties and trials to serve the Lord with honor and glory as, as they go through these same kind of things. So the images before us are the three selections i made from the Gospel of Matthew. The image on the left, of course, is Satan being tempted by the devil. The next slide will take us to the difficult times of testing when Jesus was in front of the scribes and Pharisees and high priests all of those who were the religious leaders that were in place in, in the place of leadership over his people. And that was another very difficult time of the uh, testing and trials of our Lord. As well, uh, I've chosen the one of those that I could have from very near the end of his relationship with him uh, in these uh, times of confrontation that these religious leaders brought upon him. And then the third one is the trials of Jesus when he was just about to go to the cross and the sorrow and trouble that was in his soul and how the disciples responded to uh, uh, this situation that they found themselves in. Before we dive into the holiness of Jesus, we need to see a little, I just want to take this word apart a little bit to help us understand this. I trust that this will be, start to your study of this aspect of it and I stand corrected if I have uh, overblown the approaches that I'm taking uh, uh, with this uh, unpacking of what's going on here. The common use of the word today for holy, example from the book Webster's uh, Dictionary, is dedicated or consecrated to God or a religious purpose or sacred. Now that Definition works a lot of the time, but when we talk about the holiness of God, what does that mean? Because the holiness as described in the definition refers to people with respect to God or religion and so on. So what does it mean when God says, I am holy? In all that's before us this morning, we will all feel humbled and uh, insecure as we try and look into these things. I felt very inadequate as as I worked through God's essential and unique attribute of holiness. I trust though that this will help us grow closer to him as we study this together and grow as his disciples as a result, as is often the case, the first time the word is used in scripture is useful for understanding its its usefulness or its use usage throughout the rest of scripture and I found that to be true for this word. The Bible begins with God created the heavens and the earth and continued. Uh, Uh, as his uh, support of those and his keeping them up uh, uh, in all the things that he has made. This, to me, is a clear assertion that God is separate from all he made. He is God, and he made these things that are separate from him. When we come to the first word use of that word, uh, it's later in the chapters of Genesis, where we note that... uh, that uh, God set aside a day to be holy unto Him. So God set the seventh day apart so that uh, it w- people would remember that day and remember Him in His creation and so on. And we don't have time to elaborate more on that. So, what does God being holy mean? God is separate from His creation. He dedicated a day as an ex- explanation of that, that he is separate from the things that he had made, and he wants us to remember him through the things that he made and take time to do that. Now, God set man apart from within creation to be in relationship with himself uh, with with purpose, and God, further in Genesis, created man, and man was separate from the other parts of creation. So he was Making them as distinct and separate. They were holy relative to all that else was their own. So, what does uh, God being holy mean? It means that He is set apart in His being, in His unchangeable attributes sovereignty, power, love, grace, goodness, and purity. Holiness, we often think of just in terms of purity, without sin. Uh, but in God's case, His uh, we, He was totally separate, away, away from uh, sin. Of course, uh, God is set apart in His purposes. He set apart in His relationships. He calls uh, people uh, into. So just. We could spend all kinds of time on that, but I just wanted to try and set the stage for what does God being holy mean then what does what does Jesus being holy mean i'm going to suggest as we work through this that it's no different God is the Son of God he is is and was and always will be God his incarnation is a new thing throughout as we see the revelation of of uh, scripture unfold God became man but yet in in being there he was set apart from other men he was set apart again in his being his attributes his purposes in his relationships he called people into but he also and not but he and he also entered humanity and some of that is very complex for us to understand Uh, he entered humanity as the son of God to do the will of his father And to uh, do a work so that people would be his, uh, able to be his forever uh, uh, in in his work of salvation. John chapter 1 and 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus was the representative, the exemplar of who God is to us so that we would respond to him and understand him so what does man being holy mean set apart from the rest of creation we've covered that in addition free to choose of course this is the essence of uh, man right from the beginning had this choice god didn't want he didn't create a series of uh, robots to just do what the computer program said he cho- he allowed us the freedom to make choices and we can choose for him or we can choose not to have him in our lives is the key uh, choice to be made. As Christians, holiness also takes on these meanings, I would suggest. That we are set apart to God in two ways here. We are made holy in Jesus. We're made, as we become his, he makes us his. As we have faith in him, he makes us his in our position. It's just as if uh, we are with uh, with him in heaven, and we know that uh, teaching of scripture. We're set apart. We're, We're made holy in him with respect to our position, with respect to sin, and with respect to our future. God sees us through Jesus as being holy and pure. And then there's the second part of this for us all this morning, and that's what we're doing as disciples to understand it better, is that we're becoming holy by God's word and spirit. And we have the practice of becoming his, more his, more like him, and more pure, without sin. Sorry? Okay. The next slide is uh, just an introduction to my views of some of these things as they come into practice. Uh, I've t- entitled this The tra- Trails of Testing. When you think of the concept of testing, there's very many different types of testing that can go on. But first of all, we have the the temptations of man to just uh, think about for a moment. The Bible teaches us about the desire of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, and the pride of life. We learned that from being young people uh, at the beginning in terms of how sin can... Can enter our lives, and we can be we can succumb to it. Uh, We can be tempted by our internal cravings. We can be internal and uh, we can be internally drawn to uh, move away from God in different ways. We can be tempted from without with what looks good or makes us look good, or or the pride of life, and so on, or some of the other aspects of the way in which we're tempted, and also from without, evil forces, of course, that are active in. In the world, and uh, we will come to that one as it affected our Lord in a few moments. when we use the word testing we use the, that raises the questions of who's doing the testing and what's the what's the purpose of the testing and uh, so when we talk about Jesus being tempted and tried and tested, we need to just have a bit of a foundation of what this is all about I've, this, this is a very complex area of life uh, if you 're a scientist but there's there's three different ways you can test. One is a testing to determine a result. A second type of testing is how to assess a current state to know where improvement is in order. And then there's a third one, to prove to others the result. So uh, I just want us to have a brief look at that, and I'm going to ask my brother, Stan, if I can find my channel changer here. The type of testing that I, I think is before us with the Lord is this. That he was te- being tested to demonstrate who God is. He was being tested to determine, uh, to let others know who it was that was before him. Now, I know this is a big argument in a lot of theological circles and we've had these debates at BFA in the past, I'm giving my view of it, and I'm not trying to draw us back into that definition. I'm trying to use it to see how the disciples were learning from watching the Son of God behave in times of trials and testing. Uh, Stan, could you uh, help us with this illustration? I did a lot of work in my career, and there's some other in mining and other sciences that have done the same type of thing. I spent a lot of time looking for metals in the in the surface of the earth, I just woke Roy up, by the way. He's paying close attention now. (laughs) The next step was to determine what its quality was, to determine whether it was economic to mine it. You can start handing it around. Stan's going to bring you some examples of what I'm talking about. Another step was to determine in a laboratory what the impurities were. And think about that word impurity as applied to our lives today. The impurities need to be identified because they had to be eliminated uh, in, in further processing to, be, to have a pure product at the end. I'm sending around a sample of uh, chalcopyrite, which is, has uh, the word copper in, buried in it, but it also had iron. You'll also see it's the big shiny one, and iron and sulfur, all a part of that. And we've painted it to look nice and bright for the guys poor of sight, I guess. <laughs> Uh, so that's one example. The other one is an example of, of uh, gold. Uh, it was, pro- oh, I shouldn't say this on tape, but it probably came from a mine by someone. Uh, and uh, it has a long history in our family, actually, but that's another story. But you'll see in it some pure, fairly pure gold in a, in a matrix, uh, if I can use that word, rather in, with silica. And then finally, I didn't have any pure gold samples in in their 99.99% purity, so I, I have an example of pure silver. I just want you to implant these models in your mind. that We start off with something very impure. We have to dispose of the impurities and get rid of them, and we have to then end up with a pure product uh, for our use and to be able to prove and develop that and let others see that. So that's the type of testing, the third type. It is in view about the Son of God as we go through these stories. When God the Father spoke of Jesus at the beginning of his ministry, just after his baptism, he said, As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. God the Father started his public ministry with giving the purpose of his coming in a very short form to demonstrate who God is. And that's uh, what the, this kind of testing is about. It's, it's uh, like the father who is testing uh, his son driving their new, brand new family vehicle to see if he could be trusted. Is that the type of testing we're talking about? I don't know. We're testing for him to take him to the driver's uh, education center and uh, show them that he is capable of doing what he's claimed to be able to do kind of thing. Jesus is the one who is pure gold in himself. And he was there to demonstrate who he was, to demonstrate to people that he is truly the holy son of God. So we have three stories before us. Uh, The first one is the tempting by the devil. Second one is the rejection by the leadership of Israel. And the third is suffering towards Calvary. And you have the Bible chapters there as we move through these different examples. I know we're dealing with three different things when I'm telling these stories. But we're really going to focus not on the details of the stories. I assume you know them. And we're going to look at the learnings of the disciples uh, as they had the Son of God in front of them going through these very difficult periods in his life. Bear in mind that I've chosen three. You could have chosen very different ones. But I tried to choose ones that the Lord just lifted off the pages to me as real, real difficult times for the Son of God to be here with the people he had created and seeing how they behaved and how he's trying to move his disciples in particular directions while he was here. You know the story about the temptations of Satan uh, on, on the mountain. This was very soon into Jesus' public ministry, as we understand from the sequence of Scripture. And I want to just point out at the beginning of this story that it was the Holy Spirit who led Jesus into the wilderness. And that's the very first learning that we have to have. Jesus is not tempting us. But he does allow things into our lives for his purposes to grow us to be more like him. And he, it's the Spirit of God who is always with us. Wherever we end up, end up in our situations or in our own trials and temptations is the Holy Spirit who is with us to guide us and to help us through these times that he has allowed in our lives. It's easy to say those things. I know it's not easy uh, to live in the middle of them. Uh, of all of, of all of its various various ways and times so the, in the first test the test really is from the the devil to say will jesus use his power to meet his own needs he was in the desert for 40 days without food and fasting and he was in a very weak physical condition as man and the clever devil he comes on along and says uh here here is uh why don't you just make some bread the Old Testament said you could, and uh, you've got the power. Uh, I know because you kicked me out of heaven. Why, why, why? Uh, why don't you just do that? And he was trying to tempt Jesus to see if he would use his power to meet his own needs according to the devil's purposes in these three tests, temptations rather. But we note that Jesus did not turn away. He didn't take one step away. Rather, he referred to the Word of God. He was equipped with the word of God. And he used the wisdom of God in the situation to turn the devil aside in this first temptation out, out somewhere in the desert. And the second test, oh, sorry. In in the oh no. Now do I go back? Yeah, test two. The second question before the Lord was, will je or before the devil was, will Jesus use his power to win people to himself? I was puzzled over this a little bit. But notice that uh, the location is important here. The devil brought him uh, to Jerusalem. And Jerusalem wasn't an isolated place where there are no people like in the desert. But here now, he's tempting the devil to use his power as a magic trick to uh, draw people to himself. And Satan is cleverly using this way of testing him. And... uh, Jesus, again, refused to take a step of succumbing to the worldview on how to get and maintain power. And as disciples, we need to remember to remember who is placing something in our path, but always be guided by the word we continue to put into our minds and hearts so that the the spirit of God, when we come to these situations, will will help us to be guided by his word. And uh, uh, the... uh, all that the Spirit can use in us in those times of trials. The the third uh, test, speeding a little bit for the sake of time, uh, this is the ultimate situation that Satan is after. He wants Jesus to succumb to him and and let Satan be the ruler and he be the subordinate. And so the question is, who is to be worshipped? and Jesus now is quoting scripture to him again but he also confronts him directly there's no winning him over to god there's no nothing in satan that is going to turn to him and worship him but he tells him to do so and then he uh he says uh, uh, away from me satan and ends this this conversation and these temptations again god's word by his spirit is both our ever-present defense but it's also our ever-present offense when we, we speak about the, in the next examples how we, we interact with people, not only to defend where they are at and understand where they're at, but also to uh, put them in a position somehow to be encouraged to look at God through his word, through knowing him, and so on. So we'll come to the second story then uh, and this is a, a series, mini series of, uh, of, uh, I'm glad you're here, glad to hear that that's a series of three buried in one. <laughs> we will move through them uh, quickly. But they are all a, a very, uh, in, uh, last attempt to entrap Jesus. So that they, not that they would win an argument with him, but that they would find a trap that, that would allow them to bring him to court and have him silenced and perhaps put to death. So we have all of the big religious guns coming out facing Jesus. And I just want you to think for a moment about those interchanges at this point And say, this must have been a deep sorrow for the Lord. These were the high priests, the priests, the Sadducees, the rabbis, the scribes. And the whole leadership of his people that are coming against him to entrap him. And to take him away from uh, what, what uh, his, his, he was trying to do. It, it must have been so large in his heart as he went through these these situations. So they pull out their big guns and there's three, three, three groups here. First of all, now this is not a pointer, is it? I'm probably changing slides. The chief priests, the, the Pharisees, the disciples and the Herodians. So that's the first group. The second group that come to him in the same setting are the Sadducees. And the Pharisees then, seeing how, how poorly it's going with the others, brings out their legal expert. And we have these stories. And and you know the stories. The first one uh, went to the heart of the matter, money. And uh, remember, they were trying to trap Jesus into what? why would he not pay or not pay the tax. And Jesus said to them, whose fortress is on this coin? I think uh, Stan's given the message up there as he's going around. <laughs> uh, and uh, they replied, Caesar. And Jesus said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God. Here are the lessons I think I learned from this. First of all, we need to know, like Jesus, who is in, before us in this particular situation. And we need to learn what that situation is all about. It's very important for us to know who it is we're talking to. And not just necessarily dive into the gospel without a sense of the context of how this person can be brought from what they know and where they are now into uh, where they could be if they devoted their lives uh, to God. And that's the second point. Deal with them from where they are. And then as we do that, to even sometimes step away and take the time to do this, to rely on the wisdom of God, how to bring them to God by his spirit at the time or at a sequential time uh, when when we can do this. Now, in these cases, that's not so relevant because Jesus knows these hearts are very far away from Him. But you notice how the disciples would observe, how He dealt with them, and how we can learn uh, from that as well. The the second uh, onslaught against the Lord was the chief priests, the Pharisees, is it, or did I miss this? The Sadducees. The, uh, the Sadducees were the next group uh, and uh, they were trying to confuse the Lord. They were trying to, conf- trying to confuse the Lord about the nature of what will happen in heaven when the, these marriage relationships were all messed up and uh, many partners involved and so on. You know the story. But Jesus uh, said something uh, just so powerful. You are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. And he goes on and elaborates. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. I just want to pause there and just say, listen and think about what Jesus is saying. He's telling them that their hearts before God are as good as dead. You're dead in your sins. You're dead, dead in eternity if you do not uh, turn to God. And uh, so he bypasses their whole argument from the law and goes directly to the heart of the matter. Have you accepted the Lord, me? Or will you accept me, uh, yea or nay? And they were astonished at his teaching. And again, the same principles for us come from this story. We need to find ways to inject the truth in people's lives as they are and determine if they are indeed seekers to try and help them somehow along that path. And there are all kinds of details about how, how we do that as Christians. We, and we need to equip ourselves to know the word of God, but not only the word of God. He told them, you, you know the word of God, but you don't know the power of God. And for us, that's the person who is our Savior and Lord, who we're following, and how we are to know these two things, his power in our lives, and be able to share that through God's word uh, and of course, other ways to those who are talking to. And then they bring out the big gun, the lawyer. And I sense a little bit of a difference in this situation that the lawyer might, he was a little bit light on coming at Jesus. I kind of wonder if he was a, a seeker. The law that he, the question he brought up, which is the greatest commandment of the law? And Jesus uh, gave, gave him an answer here. He says, uh, This is really what it's about love God, you love God. With all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. I suspect in some of the other examples in scripture, the second part of that law was a big stumbling block for him. And he walked away without further legal advice. Again, as our learnings are to answer the seeker from where they are. They were they were scholars of the law. So Jesus quoted the law. If we're before someone who doesn't know the Bible even exists, we have different kinds of challenges. How to bring them to uh, to God in ways that will bring them to uh, be, be attracted to become seekers of him. And uh, again, by God's word and power through his spirit. The third uh, example is, I'm probably not doing well on these slides, a suffering towards Calvary, the, the last of the three stories. And this must have been a really difficult time for Jesus. We see him... Uh, First of all, gently taking the disciples from to prayer in, in the garden and, and then uh, uh, to the Mount of Olives and then to the garden, and uh, reminding them that this is the, he had tried to prepare them for this beforehand as well. Uh, this is the night where I'll be, I will be stricken down, and you will be scattered, but after I'm raised, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. Of course, Peter says, "Not me, Lord, and all the others that agreed with him. I will will not let you down, Lord. And at this point, Jesus corrects Peter and the others and says to Peter, you will deny me three times. And implicit in it was the others will be uh, uh, also abandoning the Lord in just minutes from this time. And uh, that's the summary of the story. Then Jesus took his disciples to Gethsemane to pray and he asked them to keep watch with me. And Jesus' sorrows and troubles are described and we we can't enter in in our hearts and minds into his life at that point. I I see this as the, apart from the cross itself, this was a very, very difficult time for him. Of course, there were also his trials before the officials later on as well. But I selected this one uh, to just note Jesus' sorrows and trouble. My soul is overwhelmed to death. Sweat was, uh, good Dr. Luke said, the sweat was pouring out of him. like blood flow and he was fervently praying that this cup would be taken from him and he had asked the disciples to watch with him and pray and where what are they doing we know the story well they fell fast asleep his disciples did not watch with him they slept in spite of three times calling them to be with him through his trials and tribulations and uh, I guess the lessons here for us are, are how the Lord prepares us in advance for the things that are to come. And how he also, when things do come, that he's there with us. He goes before us to Galilee. He's there uh, to be with us when we're in the middle of trials and temptations, temptations and testing and so on. But he's there for us. I will go ahead of you to Gal- Galilee, even when you forsake me. Even if you forsake me three times, I will go ahead of you. And that's just such an amazing picture of the Lord's grace and love in the middle of his sufferings. So Jesus is our example. We're so glad he was, came into the human flesh to dwell with us and to show us who God is and what he's like and to draw and journey with us so that we can see how he behaved and worked in these situations of trials and tribulations and how we take learning from that. He is with us every moment, seeking all to come to him, uh, seeking to help us through those situations, but also to be positive towards others who, who might come to know him, even in our most difficult times. Jesus was set apart as the Holy Son of God, and Jesus was set apart to save the pure one, the only one who could save us and keep us. Uh, And he did that work, completed it on the work of Calvary by his love and grace. Is there a closing hymn? I think there is. The Lord bless to us the reading and study of his word and and the contemplation of all that the Spirit has uh, given us together today. As we go farther, uh, Father, from this place, may you help us in our travels, in our journeys, in our testings to uh, find the one who is pure and holy. In his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. Come back next week for the next Sunday morning message from Bible Fellowship Assembly. Visit us on the web at bfa.church, where you will find our physical address and contact information. We'd love to see you if you're in the Timmins area or drop us a line at info at bfa.church. Until next time.